Hello and welcome to Teaching Python. This is episode 101, the 2022 Holiday Gift Guide. My name's Sean Tiber. I'm a coder who teaches. And my name's Kelly Schuster Perez, and I'm a teacher who codes. Wow, it's like I'm out of practice on that. It's been a while since I've introduced myself uh, for the podcast. It has been way too long. We're working on a little bit of a time, getting through a lot here and there for both of us. So it's uh, it's good to be back talking to you. Yeah, but you know, it's been a really good, really busy month or so since we last recorded. I mean, I think you and I were on the um, the Python Bytes podcast uh, last week, sharing some updates from the education community. Um, you've traveled. You met uh, Nick Tolervey in London. Yeah. I went to Las Vegas for reInvent. Like it's been it's been a busy month or so. It has been crazy, and but you know what? We're always learning. So that's, that's true. All that matters. That's true. And it's been a lot of fun to, um, you know, kind of take the time to really focus on learning and on the things that are right in front of us. But I'm ready to podcast again. Yeah, let's do it. Let's all right. It. This is my favorite episodes. Oh, these ones are so much fun. Um, and every time like we come together and we share our, our ideas for this, I'm like, ooh, I, I like, where's my credit card? <laughs> I have to go get that. Well, I've got some good ones. I, oh, I, did, I did have to reshare the one I shared on uh, with Michael Kennedy and Brian because you know what? I just love it. I'm really it's, excited it's about that, it. It is really good. So more more to come on that. Uh, but before we get into the holiday gift guide, why don't we start in the same place that we always do with the wins of the week? And Kelly, I'm going to make you go first. Oh, good. I'm so excited. Well, um, for those that don't know, I'm started a data science boot camp course. Six months of uh, of pure death because that's why I look so exhausted. And I can tell you, I successfully um, mastered Excel for the first time ever in my life. And I am a quiz, a whiz at, um, at pivot tables and charts and everything. And my epiphany about Excel and how the functions are laid out, I never realized I've used Excel all my life, but never at this level. And I've become a not an expert, but definitely able to hack a few VBA scripts. And I tell you what, there's a reason why I didn't code 20 years ago. I'm just telling you that. Oh, <laughs> this is no, it, you have to do it at the right time. And and Kelly, I do have something for you with this. I want to see if I could share. Let's see here. Uh, <laughs> Oh no, it's it's like sharing all my entire screen. I'll I'll add this. I have an extra extra gift guide idea that I saw here just for you because you're now an Excel master. There's a a coffee mug that has the Excel logo on it and it says freak in the sheets. And I <laughs> I just thought it's so it's such a great throwback. Um I I will put it in the in the gift guide. It's pretty good. That's hilarious. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited. I'm almost finished with my homework a, a week ahead of time, two weeks at a time. With the, oh, nice. I'm going through a, um, a million points of data. Talk about big data. It's nice to be able to actually teach kids and talk about big data when you have really played with some, Not and this isn't huge, but that's still big data for, for us. So it's good. Nice. Nice. Well, in, and that's the fun thing is that uh, and I, I like the fact that they're starting with Excel uh, for data science because, in so many ways, Excel is definitely the like the granddaddy of all of this, right? 
but it has its limitations and it mm-hmm. has, there's only so much you can do. And there's a lot of famous examples of kind of overflowing what, <laughs> what Excel can do. Um, so, but to start there and then say, okay, well now, yes, you could do this in Excel, but now here's a million rows of data yeah. or here's 5 million rows or 20 million rows. What are you going to do with that? Well, it just right? proves it, you know, that, then uh, Python doesn't seem so slow once you set and waited for VBA to script through. Fair I'm point. Like, mm, Fair point. Mm, there goes my spinning wheel. Any day now, I'll get a result. Exactly. <laughs> it, exactly. It definitely, I do recommend this to anyone who learned Python recently, who was a learner, a newbie like me, to go back and do some of the stuff that you might not have done. Um, with VBA and just the idea of appreciating um, the simplicity and the beauty of Python. Um, one of our listeners even said that one of his students um, called Python a comfort blanket. And I definitely have to concur that Python is a comfort blanket, but there you go. Enough about me. Let's go on with you. I could talk all day. <laughs> uh, well, well, my, my one of the week was uh, a LinkedIn post. Um, so something that happened about a month ago is that I gained a new employee on my team. So I am starting a team. I have someone who's reporting to me and, and really the whole goal is not that I need to do a lot of management for this person. It's more about the onboarding experience. And, and really the way we talked about it was how do we make sure that everyone comes onto the team feeling like they've got a really clear path to um, competency, understanding and contribution, right? So that they can feel knowledgeable they are knowledgeable and that they can do something meaningful with that. And so I've been working with um, my new employee who's based in Greece. So the time zones have been fun, but um, she's amazing. She's a really, really solid engineer and just is picking up things really quickly. And um, I think about two weeks in, she said to me, okay, so we've been doing a lot of learning. I want to go build this thing that we need to do. She's like, and I know it'll take me longer, but I just need to start building something. And I said, absolutely go for it whatever you need, I'm here to help. And so I got this, like, she hit her one month anniversary this week and posted just the nicest um, post on LinkedIn about how welcome she felt, not just from me, but the entire team that she's really excited about the work she's doing. She's really interested in it. Um, She talked about being a part of Mondelez as a whole and how, you know, her first day, you know, she had to go in and fill out some HR paperwork. So it was like, here's some coffee and here's a whole bag of sweets and chocolate. And, and she just felt welcomed. And and I felt, felt really good about that because that was the outcome or the experience I was hoping she would have, that this is a great place for her to learn, grow and contribute and do something really great. So um, I, I can't wait to keep working with her and keep growing what she's doing. But that was a really good sign that we're hopefully on the right track. That's very cool. It's very nice. It kind of goes in line with that Simon Sinek post I just did with the being vulnerable and the fact that you're allow you're allowing her to learn, you're allowing her to to get right in and start building and being part of the team. What a great yeah. leader you are. I never doubted that though. <laughs> <laughs> well, I it it is a lot of fun and and we as we continue to grow, we are going to add more engineers and we are going to add more leaders and as our organization grows, we have to be very deliberate and thoughtful about how we grow that organization so that we keep all the best parts and and create this culture of learning and growth and contribution because it's still a business. We still have things we have to deliver, but why not deliver it in an environment that's, you know, warm, supportive and, and, uh, 
high expectation setting. Very cool. Sounds like a classroom. You can't, you can't uh, take it away from me now. I've become a teacher. I'm taking it with me everywhere. <laughs> Sounds good. Let's get started. I'm so yeah. excited. Yeah. So today we're going to be going through our holiday gift ideas for 2022. And we've done this the last few years. But what I, I've always liked about this episode is that it's not about the stuff. It's about the possibilities, right? It's about what you could do with each of the the gift ideas. So Kelly, I'm going to let you go first, or I'm going to ask you to go first. I don't think I let you do anything, but I'm going to ask you to go first and, where, and share. Where do I start? Because we know we have these numbered, and I don't want to, I got to, I have a method to my madness on this kind of I will, with stuff. I will let I'm you gonna, start wherever you want. I, okay, or well, I will I'm going to start. <laughs> I'm going to just go ahead and share the one that I have already shared because um, why not? So my first item on the list is the Evo Ozobot in Python. And I shared this on the episode with Michael Kennedy and, and Brian Onkin. And to be honest, I just love this little guy. This is an old school robot. It's a tiny little handheld ball that um, lights up, um, uses sensors. It follows a, um, lines on a path. It's something that's been in the classroom for quite a while now, but they made a new version of it and they wrote a Python for it. So it's the Evo Ozobot in Python and it's just the cutest little thing. They're a little bit on the costly side, um, $175 and you might get a little back order on it because it is um, a new version of it. But the editor's great. They give you five programs that have already been written. Um, one where, you know, you could follow a square. The other one where it can make a sound. And it's just a little powerful bot. The kids love how cute it is. You can't go wrong with it. It's a little. It goes in your pocket. and It's great. Yeah. It's uh, it's about the size of a golf ball, I guess. It's, you know, fairly fairly small has a clear plastic shell around it so you can see the insides. Um, but what I think is amazing, and, and we don't really talk about the hardware that much, but for the, something the size of a golf ball, it has a huge number of sensors inside of it. This thing's just jam-packed with little tiny motors and IR sensors and color sensors. Um, I think there's a gyro in there. Uh, it's just amazing how much they've packed into this little tiny robot. And then they added all of this software that allows it to do really cool stuff like this um, entry kit pack for uh, that you can get for Ozobot um, comes with four colored markers with it and you can draw on whiteboards or on paper and it will follow the lines but as you if you add different colors to the line it will change its behavior and I just we talked about this with Brian and, and Michael on uh, on Python bytes, but that whole idea of programming a robot with a marker is brilliant. Yeah, it is. And, and, and the fact that it was used and it's been used in the classroom just shows that it's a, it's a stable product. It's something that, um, I know a lot of people be like, Oh yeah, the Ozobot, you know, it came out with the Sphero and there was these balls and you program them, but this little guy just keeps on going. And, and the fact that they made a great documentation, it's a beta, so you have to be gentle with it. It does have some glitches, but now you can Bluetooth and update via Bluetooth instead of having to um, do it the original version with the, an iPad and get it close. And it's all this other stuff. So um, just great, simple, yeah. easy to use. 
yeah, it is. Uh, if anyone's seen a lower school computer science classroom, y- you can be assured that they are battle tested. <laughs> <laughs> I know we have at, at Pinecrest, we have a lot. We have a lot in the little in the lower school. And, and they're like, no, you can't borrow them. We use them every day. So, yep. Yeah, they are well loved. So yes. that's that's a fantastic, fantastic uh, uh, like gift idea. I know it's a little bit on the pricey side, but honestly, you get a lot uh, for the cost. Absolutely. What do you have next? Um, so I've been getting a lot of questions uh, for the holidays around 3D printers and 3D printers for the home. So my gift idea is a 3D printer. Um, it's a relatively new one. It's from AnyCubic. It's called the Cobra. And it's uh, what's great about it is the price point. So the it's not the biggest printer out there. It's also not the most um, feature packed. But what it does really well is for printing at home and for beginners. You have a um, you have a relatively good sized print bed. It comes mostly pre assembled, so you don't have to do a lot to uh, put it together. And it has some really nice features, like some bed leveling with it, and the um, the removable or the print bed is easy to remove items once they cool down. Um, it has the SD card slot, so your your child can uh, put their designs on the card and just plug it right into the printer. So just all of that, and it's about two hundred and sixty dollars on Amazon. So relatively, you know, pretty affordable for three D printers on as far as uh, this size and feature set go. Um, but the recommendations are looking like it's a really good printer for beginners, um, which is helpful compared to like a, a printer like my Prusa, which is amazing and really well, you know, good to use. But it's about four times the cost. Wow! Yeah, my son keeps asking for one. You you made those octopus and then those movable parts and all that other stuff, and the kids are always like, "We want a three D printer. We don't. We don't need a three D printer. We have Mister Tiber." <laughs> <laughs> Well, and that's that's the best part about this gift idea is that it, you can print other gifts with it. So <laughs> now you just made it affordable. Now we have to go get one. See now now you're screwed. I know, I know. That's so bad. All right. Um, yeah, my next one. This one's a costly one too. I'm sorry, but I love it. I have it in my classroom. It's my emo pet, and we got this. I think we found this prior to you leaving or, or maybe not. I, I think so. We saw it on Kickstarter or something and it came in. We love Kickstarter. A couple of my stuff are from Kickstarters, but the emo pets, this little desktop pet, I might've shared it about it a couple of times in, um, in our couple previous episodes, but I just love this guy and the kids have been training it. I'm trying to keep him nice. Not like the vector who went all psycho angry. Um, <laughs> So when you pick him up, he does get mad and he, he does not like to be picked up with his feet dangling. You know, obviously who wants to be picked up by their headphones? So you have to be very nice and put your hands underneath his feet, but it starts learning as you go and you get to investigate more games. And, um, I tweeted when they were talking, I had two of them talking to each other. Now they're kind of separated and they're just developing their own personality we found out one of one of um, my colleagues, he took it home and with his daughter, they found some new games where you can go bang, bang, and it goes, oh, and falls down. It just, just keeps developing. And um, the personalities have become so different between the two. It's, it's amazing that the same bot 
can go obviously down a different tree path of algorithms. Yeah. So this is, this is really cool. So where the, just to describe it for people who may be listening, um, if the, uh, Ozobot is about the size of a golf ball and shaped that way with a, a two wheels on the bottom to roll around. The emo uh, pet is like a little, almost like a little TV cube, right? So it's like a cube with a little OLED screen on the front of it and eyes that that are on all the time. But then it has a, it's wearing a pair of headphones, which are quite stylish, I might add, uh, as well as it has two feet that kind of like shuffle along and he can he or she can walk, it can walk. And they have a little charging pad for it. If you want to have it like go to its home station and charge, there's a little skateboard for charging. Um, but it's, it's very cute. And the screen makes it able to emote. So it's all black and gray with these blue eyes. Um, it looks very, very cool. And, and don't tell my daughter this, but they also have costumes for it. So there's a corgi no there's a corgi and a cow costume and it's like super adorable especially since they made the uh the uh emo look like it's barely tolerating wearing the costume (laughs) that's hilarious i love this thing so it it gets sick which mine has not gotten sick but it's it's quite funny the one the one in the classroom you would think it would do so much more with all the different kids but all it does pretty much the majority of the day, unless it's interacting with somebody, is type on the keyboard. I wonder why. Ellie says, go. <laughs> so it really picks up on what you're doing. The dance moves are on on par. It's it's quite cute. Nice, nice. Yeah, this is this is great. This is definitely something where you can use it to prompt a lot of questions about what is really AI versus what is programmed. What does it mean for a machine to learn something? So what does it do out of the box versus a few months in that you've taught it to do? So it's pretty cool to be able to use a a robot like this to not just experience AI, but to start asking good questions about it. Yeah, I don't have, we don't have the emo go home feature, which is brand new, but it's the home station. But the emo with its light and its charger and everything is $279. Yeah, so it's a little bit on the pricier side, but it's a like actually I think about the same price point or a little bit less than the vector was when that came out. Um, so this is looking like a viable replacement uh, for that. Absolutely. Oh, and the Corgi is really cute. $19. Yeah. I think I have to get one. Yeah, it might it might have to happen. <laughs> All right. So so my next one is a little bit along the same lines of the, the makerspace. So I saw these on Amazon and I was curious because they're they're clearly coming from some you know manufacturing plant where everyone's rebranding them. But there are really good quality lightsabers on amazon i got one of these you know because i'm basically still a 12 year old kid um but it's a it's a metal lightsaber hilt with a clear plastic blade and it has just a a single led that shines down the length of the blade it also has an accelerometer in it and it can make really good sound effects and you have different sound fonts apparently so it you know makes different um different sounds but the reason why i'm putting on the gift guide is not because i'm a huge star wars nerd or not just because i'm a huge star wars nerd uh but you can unscrew um the parts for this and inside the lightsaber is a um a lightsaber core so it's all the electronics the battery the light everything is encapsulated in this core and then everything else around it the hilt the blade everything just attaches to this so 
the reason I'm putting this in there is for the hackability of this. So here you have a USB-C rechargeable lightsaber core with a battery, with the LED, and a blade that goes with it for about $80, which if you tried to go buy all these parts individually, you'd probably spend about $80, but you wouldn't be able to see how it worked or how to take it apart or how to do anything with it. This allows you to have some fun with a lightsaber and then take it apart and maybe use your 3D printer to print a new hilt for it or make some of your own designs or wrap it in different things or just you know make it part of cosplay or just regular play, um, but also make it a really cool kind of builder hacking sort of experience. That's really cool. Now, the real question is, is it better than uh, the one that you built? <laughs> or just I am always, I'm always going to be <laughs> proud of the lightsaber I built. Technically, this one is better, but I programmed my own lightsaber. I did all the soldering. I did the printing. I feel like I earned the lightsaber I made uh, a lot more than this one. But I am excited to take this core and start printing my own parts from scratch. I think it'll be really fun. Very cool. Very cool. Um, yeah, I'm not going to get that one. I don't think. I think I would be. I would have to bang it. <laughs> <laughs> the kids would take it away. I'm sure they would start hitting each other with it. <laughs> but it does sound cool. I can see them going here and here. Oh, of course. Of course. Too many noises. Too many noises. But I love it. I love it. All right. Lightsabers are for outdoor play. Outdoor play. That's what we'll do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the next one. Uh yeah, I'm going to do this one. So the next one I just found, and I it's on order. I can't attest for it, actually, but it, and it's out until January 2nd. So just full disclosure right there. It's called the Extron Pro, and it is a gaming device made on the platform of MakeCode, and it looks like a little Game Boy. Um, I've seen them before. This one is a fully funded Kickstarter as well. And it got funded in 2021. And it was something that I saw and I was like, wow, that's really cute. Um, it's got it literally looks like not an Xbox, a Game Boy, right? And it's got the yeah. little AB button and the arrows up and down and full graphics look great. You can pop off the, what I like about it is you can pop off the, the video screaming area and you can literally reconnect it and twist it around. It's got its own accelerometer. You can put it on your wrist and wear it as a, a smartwatch. They've got speech recognition. And it's all programmable with, like I said, MakeCode, which you can do the blocks of JavaScript or Python. Not a big fan of the Python blocks because they don't really read as well, but they're there. 16 megs. Um, and it just runs these little cute little arcade games. And what's cool is they already have retro arcade games built for you. So you can also install those, but it really does look like um, Scratch in the background, sort of, you know, that make code Scratch feel. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's just really cute. This is, this is really cool. Um, it looks like a really nice design. Um, and I love the modularity of it. That is, is really differentiated. Um, I know that one summer when I was teaching STEM camp, we were using the Adafruit, um, uh, version of this they had a, a make code arcade handheld that's pretty nice it's got a little like buttons and everything with it and some controller um controllers that you can use the joystick and 
it, what was what's really great about Make Code Arcade and why it, it should be part of your teaching toolbox is that you can go from writing code in the browser with blocks or Python or whatever you want to use for this, but really using blocks, and then play the game in the browser and then download the game to the handheld. So I had a student who made her game over the course of a few days. She tested it in the browser so she could quickly get it working. And then we downloaded it to the handheld. And then she took it to her mom who worked on campus and was like, hey, mom, look what I made. That, hey, mom, look what I made and being able to hand it to someone uh, was really powerful for her and for her mom to be able to see something tangible that she had created rather than just something on the screen. It was something they could hold and play and feel really good about. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. Um, just that ability to get something up and running in a couple days and even a couple hours, it's pretty cool. What I really like about this, though, is it's got a lot of potential for the classroom. So it's got your sensors in there. Um, it comes, you know, comes with some ideas, sort of like the the micro bits where you can use some sort of text-to-speech or you can use a humidity sensor. Um, you can build some projects. It's got the pedometer. And these are projects that are transferable. So you, you come and play with this. You can make it with the, the micro bit. You can then transfer it to the circuit playground. And you just have this ability to do the same projects on different devices and have, mm -hmm. the, have students make that connection of what's going on and accelerometer and all that stuff. So yeah, it's just really cute. And I can't wait to get mine and see how it works. I love the fact that you can play, uh, play against each other. You can actually plug it in and have a two player, um, situation. That's it's so asteroids. Great. I'm in it. I'm ready to win it. I love asteroids. <laughs> <laughs> so good. It's so good. I, yeah, I'm looking at it. They've got a sensor module kit, but everything's <laughs> sold out right now. I'm hoping that, you know, by the time we get into January, it'll, it'll come back around. Uh, but there's some really, really good stuff here. Soil moisture sensors, servo controllers, all sorts of things. Yep. It's pretty cool. Nice. Very nice. All right. So my next one is a book, right? Who loves getting a book for the holidays? But <laughs> I, I love books. And, and honestly, this is a great book and definitely something for um, aspiring programmers that need a little bit of extra help. There's a new, brand new, this month edition of Python Crash Course by our good friend Eric Mathis. So the third edition is out. Um, I have not admittedly cracked the, the cover on the third edition. Uh, but having read through the first two editions, I can assure you that whatever Eric does is very well thought out, very well reasoned. And by the time he's getting to the third edition, he's continuing to iterate and make sure that it stays really modern, fresh, and embraces the best you know, self-learning styles uh, that are out there. And he's an educator, so we love him even more. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And and I, what's interesting is I, I know that Eric's been um, you know working on a lot of other projects and including this, uh, his productivity has gone up considerably. I think since he stopped teaching, shocking, right? <laughs> shocking. Uh, um, so there's this is really new, really current, really fresh. And Eric is is a fantastic human being, and I'm really hoping that this will continue to sell well. It's one of the best Python books out there. Very cool. We hope to definitely need to pick one up for the classroom on that one. They, they do get used a lot. All right. Where to next? I'm going to save the best for last. I've tweeted that one out and I'm going to go, I'm going to go back to the relatively cheap side, which I love, love, love. Um, and this is kind of a, a maker kind of idea. 
so in their classroom, in the classroom, I had bought these cute little sewing kits and the kids sewed it with the, with the sewing machine and they stuff it and then they put some lights on it and everything. And so now that they've officially learned how to sew using the sewing machine, I'm going and giving them uh, crocheting kits. So I've seen these with a couple of students already and they and we've hacked them a little bit. So it's a beginning crochet kit and you literally have a ball of yarn and some some stickers for some eyes and you crochet them on and it has instructions and the kids learn how to crochet. And then, you know, why not stick an LED light in it, hook it up to hook it up to either a micro bed or something similar. And then you have this cute little NeoPixels eyes, or you can put a sensor in there, shake it up, and you've built your own um, uh, programmed toy. And you made it from crochet. And these kits are so great. They're $29.99 on Amazon, but they have a $10 coupon. You can make a fox. You can make a bear. You can make a little reindeer. Um, you can make what else the corgi's adorable the corgi dog and what is up with the corgis and this little um sort of white fox ish but you can also get these at target i heard the kids told me that they found them at target and there are all kinds of different um variations but i love this kit it's called the the woobles and the kit it comes in a little bag and it has everything there so. so this is a sleeper gift. So yes, you can add sensors to it. Yes, you can add electronics and make it wearable or or make it livelier. But crochet and a lot of textile arts are algorithmic, right? So the idea of having these small repeated movements that create something larger is very much a computational thinking idea. But we completely overlook it because it's hundreds of years old or thousands of years old, why would anyone, you know, use that um, in, in teaching computational thinking? But this is very practical. It's very hands-on for kids who like to use their hands and connect that with their brains. This is a great way of teaching that concept of small repetitive movements or small bits of action that become something larger when they're assembled in the right order. So I've I've always loved knitting and crochet and things like that. I'm not terrible at it, but I appreciate how it translates directly into this idea of an algorithm, right? It is small parts. It's a computational thinking model and it absolutely works to, um, you know, to help a, a lot of students, maybe not every student, but a lot of students feel and understand the idea of computational thinking at a deeper level. Yeah, and you should just see them in the classroom. So you have sometimes these really, really hyper kids who are, have a lot of energy. You put them in front of a sewing machine or you put them with a crochet and the mindset changes. There's like a calming effect. I definitely recommend it for social-emotional learning. There's got to be, I'm sure there. I can find a study somewhere where, you know, your diffuse brain comes on and your your excited hormones re reduce or something because it is just that thing where it's like that repetitive moment and it just zins out everyone. So it's one of the things I love in the exploratory classroom. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. So it's a great find. Good. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I've got more on the on the path of learning. Um, so I'm going to um, plug for a few course subscriptions, and I'm sure there's a ton more out there. But 
give more of the gift of learning, right? Um, so RealPython has a subscription that you can get, Talk Python, Python Morsels. Um, there are, are diff- definitely dozens of different places where you could get one of these course subscriptions. But the idea is that, you know, give someone who's learning the gift of access to really high quality instructional materials. Um, I know there's a lot of free things out there. There's a ton of YouTube videos. There's a ton of free courses. Um, everything's out there. But my, you know, someone was asking me the other day, well, why do you still prefer books to YouTube videos? Or why do you prefer um, learning from um, this website over all the others? And my my answer was that it's all curated, right? It's It all fits together when I go to the book because someone had to write the whole thing. Someone else had to edit and review it. And so I know that at least within the book, especially a good one, it will be internally consistent. I don't have to worry about do it this way or do it that way or you know five different ways to solve the same problem unless that's part of the learning. So by comparison, if I'm looking at this YouTube video over here and they tell me to do it one way and then I go over to Stack Overflow and it says to do it another way and then I realize that Stack Overflow is 10 years old and maybe there's a newer way of doing it, this makes this removes all of that inconsistency and gets us back to a place where, okay, at least it's all consistent, it works together. So for each of these areas, Real Python, Talk Python, and Python Morsels, there's a higher level of consistency and curation that's happening to make sure that you're getting really good content. Um, each of them have um, annual plans, they have monthly plans in a lot of cases where you can buy things in smaller pieces, but definitely the idea of a full course where it all fits together is a great way for someone to learn something new. Yeah, I totally agree. And the fact that I love these courses is I think you get a little bit more than what you signed up for, more tricks of the trade. For example, I did um, the Fast API course with Michael Kennedy. And yeah, it was about Fast API. Yeah, it was about MongoDB. But there was just also the way that he codes and he he breaks down a problem to solve it. You can't really learn that from Stack Overflow. You just see the code and you can copy, you can copy, you know, here's my async function. But watching other people or reading other people's way of coding is just you you can't get that from from a snippet. So I'm a I'm a lover of those kind of workshops and books. And there's also something serendipitous about when you have something new that you weren't expecting that someone else has taken for granted. And they're just like, Oh yeah, of course you would do it this way. And it like blows your mind. I'm still thinking about, um, I, I, there was an episode I think of, of Python bytes where, um, one of the creators, uh, or contributors to the, uh, date time mo- library and module in the standard library was on the show and they were, they were talking about time deltas and they're like, Oh yeah. And you can divide by a time delta. Like, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> and it was it was really cool because, like, yeah, if you want to get the number of weeks of something, you take a time delta that you have an interval and you divide it by a seven-day time delta and you get the number of weeks. And it was such an elegant solution that nobody really thought about, I guess, or really like most people didn't understand until that episode where it was that sudden realization. Those are the things that you get out of courses like this where you pick up these little tidbits of information that maybe you wouldn't have seen from Stack Overflow or from just copying code somewhere. 
100%. And Trey Hunter with Python Morsels, man, that, that guy can break down some, some complex things and really make it digestible. He's answered a lot of my tweets for me when kids have that why question. And he's a great educator as well. And obviously, we can't say enough about real Python and everyone there. So um, yep. just, just great to break it down and make things simple. T- teach me like a baby. Teach me like a two-year-old or teach me like yep. a whatever. Explain it like I'm five. Explain it like I'm five. Something. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Good one. That's actually a good one. I mean, the other ones were good, but the yeah, you remain really reminding myself. <laughs> good one. Good one. Okay. Well, here is like one of my favorites, and it's been something that I've said I've wanted to do, and I bought these things last year, but now I have some kids actually building it. And <clears throat> yes, before I tell you all this, the Lego kit is monstrosus 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 monstrous monstrous that's vba (laughs) messing up my brain um and it's a little bit costly but you don't have to use this kit so i'm gonna plug it right now it's the raspberry build hat love this little guy it connects with our um lego kits and a raspberry pi and it's a GPIO board with 40 pens and it allows you to control your motors from your Lego kit with a Raspberry Pi in order to automate a lot of stuff. And it's super easy. The the code is literally like, you know, five lines. It's Raspberry Pi. It's not it's not like it's very difficult. But my students are building <laughs> and it, it's a little bit embarrassing how big it is, but they're building a, a roller coaster. And um, they just started building it. And it's a roller coaster that you have to hand crank the the coaster to go to the top. And I, by gravity, it comes down. So we are hooking up the build hat to the crank so that it will be a continuous loop of this roller coaster going all over the place. So we've already practiced the build hat. We've already set up the motor for that. And now we're just waiting for the, uh, I don't even know how many pieces, like 3,000 pieces of this Lego roller coaster to be built and we bought a shelf for it and talk about excited and running into class and not leaving. Um, you can't go wrong with anything Lego. So, yeah, I, uh, so a few weeks ago, I'm sitting there minding my own business in my house and my, uh, uh, my wife and my kids came home from, uh, running errands with a giant yellow Lego bag, <laughs> probably one of the biggest ones I've ever seen. And inside is the loop coaster. So oh my, my, gosh. my family, my wife was like, look, we're, we're going to do something as a family over the holidays. We're getting the loop coaster. We're going to build it together. So I saw this raspberry Pi build hat when you shared it and I was like, Oh, this is happening. This is cool. How see, we are two, two peas in a pod, your family and mine. Exactly. My- I have to like tell my son who's now in middle school, he's like, can I help them? Like, it's not your project. Find something else. And he's like, but it's so cool. I'm like, it is cool. Um, it is. I don't know if you started building it, but the figurines and the, the hot dog and the pretzel stand, it is so cute. Can't it's it's really it. cool. Yeah. I, I'm planning to take the last couple of uh, weeks of the year off from, from work. And this is going to be some of our building that we do together. So we're Very saving cool. it for actual Hanukkah. Awesome. 3,756 pieces. Oh, I think daddy's going to have some late nights. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I secretly think some of our listeners, you know, I can see David um, Amos getting in there and wanting to build that too. He's a big Lego guy. So some of our, our 
friends out there, real Python. I can see them going, <laughs> oop, that's me. <laughs> this this came home and I was like, where are we going to put this? This thing is massive, right? And my my seven-year-old son looked at me and said, Daddy, I will find a place for it. <laughs> Just heads up, I bought a, a corner shelf. So my thoughts, yeah. um, my thoughts is to put it in a corner, lay it across the, the corner shelf and put it up. And so it's constantly looping. Well, I think you need to have some uh, some sensors for it, like put an ultrasonic on it or a light sensor. So when someone walks up to it, it starts running. That'd be really fun. Oh, yeah, there we go. That's Motion activated that. loop coaster. Yeah. All we got so far, they were like, we're going to put some fairy lights there. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> one step at a time yeah exactly exactly but the electric loop coaster would be fun yeah and sorry the build hat is something that i forget how much it costs they're like i think it's about 25 or 30 dollars um so by the time you're buying the the motors and the battery and and the um raspberry pi build hat um you know you add another i don't know 60 70 dollars to the cost of of making this thing yeah so it's 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 a little bit but it's it's 25 dollars for the build hat yep and everyone has a Raspberry Pi at home, I thought, right? I don't, but if you <laughs> don't, if you don't have a Raspberry Pi, the best way to find one is using a Twitter account called Pi Locator, and I'll put a link to that. Um, I was able to find at least a couple Raspberry Pis that way. Um, in the U.S., it looks like Adafruit is the most reliable source. Uh, they usually have restocks on Wednesdays, but if you follow and get notified on this Pi Locator Twitter account you can get the get the jump on it. Um, there's some ways to actually buy fast from Adafruit. Like you have to have two-factor authentication set up, an existing account, et cetera, et cetera. But I know they're like trying to find unobtainium right now. Uh, they're working on getting it better. But if you need a Raspberry Pi, the best way to do that is to follow uh, this account and keep track of, of where they are. And they do track international sites. So if you're not in the U.S., they have the U.K., they have Poland, they have France, uh, they have Brazil. I've seen them pop up in a lot of different places. Very cool. Good to know. Yep. All right. So my last one is a little bit of a give back, but I think it is is the right kind of give back. It's uh, a membership in the PSF. So the Python Software Foundation is what you know manages the oversight of developing C Python. They put on the Py- PyCon conference. They sponsor programs for diversity and inclusion in, in Python. They help actually make a lot of other PyCons happen around the world through uh, funding and resources and support to be able to bring the Python community together. So the PSF is a a wonderful organization. And recently, they announced that they have different levels of membership uh, available. So in the past, it was $99 a year for a supporting membership. Uh, But now they have some new uh, versions of that that are as affordable as $25. So uh, for $25, give someone the gift of membership in the PSF. Everything goes towards supporting the mission of making Python more accessible and more uh, community-oriented than it already is. Very cool gift. Definitely can't forget that. So I don't know how anything else to say about that. (laughs) No, it's it's just a... it's it's not new, but it is really important. So I'm I'm excited to put that on the list because the PSF does so much for our community and are so and it's really truly community driven. Although there are some corporate sponsorships, the lifeblood of the PSF is that its members and the way that everyone contributes. 
hundred percent. Well said. Yeah. Cool. So, so Kelly, what are your holiday plans? Uh, you're you mm-hmm. traveling? Are you staying at home and and you know cozying up around a Florida fireplace? Like, what what are you ha- up to? Well, we start our Python unit next week in my course, and then we have a little bit of break on the the twenty first to the twenty seventh, and um. I'm probably just going to be working on my course because my I'm looking into doing a, a final project in educational data mining and trying to finally get into some of that big data that you've been showing me <laughs> for nice. the past four years. So I'm probably studying a little bit of travel, but not too much. My son's doing another um, um, axe-making, blacksmithing course. So nice. that's one of his his favorite. If you can find one of those in your neighborhood, those are, those are some fun things to do for a kid learning to blacksmith some old trade stuff. Yeah. I, I actually, um, went to work with a local blacksmith in high school to make a cowbell for a pro, uh, project unit that we were doing around like old school making methods or, you know, what it would be like to live in a, a rural traditional community 300 years ago. So I learned how to make a cowbell, um, on a forge. I, I couldn't do it now, but it was it was fully from the beginning, like folding the steel, uh, making rivets and and putting them in, um, building a handle for it. The thing is heavy. Like I think I would yeah. probably kill a, a cow if I put it around my neck. But it was really fun to make. Yeah, my twelve year old's impressive. The way that he just bangs out that metal, and he's got you know both hands working, and can't wait to see his axe. His knife is really cute, cute. Very nice, very very manly, very manly. I'm sorry if you're feeling manly, I said it's cute, but great great knife. So ready for the axe. <laughs> very nice, very nice. And you? Um, we are sticking around uh, over the holidays, <laughs> so a lot of uh, good quality downtime. I think 2023 is shaping up to be very busy already. So we're trying to take some time as a family to just relax. Um, as, when I'm away from work, I think really what it means is that I'm going to work on some programming projects that I haven't had a headspace to work in for a while. Um, so there's some things that I want to redesign, some new approaches that I want to explore, um, both for work and for the home. Like I've got some uh, some cleanup to do on my home automation because apparently my son's lights turn on in the middle of the night and nobody can explain why. So I've got a little troubleshooting and bug fixing to do around the house. Cool. And we got a big lineup. I've got a lot of people that we have um, ready to go that we didn't have this past month. And so I'm looking forward to getting some air on time with us too. Nice. Nice. And I think, you know, now going forward, we want to, we want to get this holiday gift guide episode out before the holidays, right? That would be helpful. Um, <laughs> but we do have, uh, do have quite a few more episodes lined up and we're back to a normal recording schedule um, starting now. All right. Ready so to wrap I, it up? <laughs> I I think that's it. We've covered a lot of ground and there's a lot of fun uh, gifts out, out there. We're putting links to everything in the show notes. Uh, if you buy things on Amazon, it supports the show directly through the affiliates program. Um, you can also even more directly support the show through our Patreon link, which will be in the show notes as well. I think we're down a little bit on Patreon supporters. We've been kind of relying on the ones we've had for a very long time. So if you're, if you'd like to support the show, that's the best way to do it. And even a couple dollars a month goes a long way. Um, We do fund all of this out of our own pocket. We have tried advertising in the past and I think it's best when we just do our thing. Um, So the support of our Patreon really does help uh, keep the show alive and keep it going. Cool. Yeah. Great. All right. All right. So for Teaching Python, this is Sean. 
and this is Kelly signing off. Mm-hmm.